Welcome to Ground Down. I'm Lauren Truya, and today we will be speaking with my dear friend, mentor, and inspiration, Amos Kotomori. I have a really difficult time explaining exactly what Amos does, so he's gonna laugh when he hears this, but he kind of reminds me of a magical unicorn. And I say this because I really don't think there's a single thing he can't do. Amos is a creative, to say the least. He grew up in Hawaii in a Buddhist family, and his community and culture have had a large influence on his creations. Amos designs unique silk shirts and jewelry exclusively at Neiman Marcus in Hawaii. Every shirt created has a Buddhist motif embedded within to wrap around the body as a wearable prayer. Amos has worked as a stylist across the globe, decorating people from Anthony Hopkins in Hollywood to Dior models in Paris. One day, Amos bought a door too large to fit his home in Hawaii and decided to design a gorgeous villa in Bali, Indonesia. Villa Bodhi was created from a dream and now serves as a gift to others to embrace gratitude and joy. Amos somehow makes masterpieces out of things most people don't even notice or see. He himself is a gift to the world. In 2010, he was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer in his colon, bladder, and hip bone. He was told he had six months to live. That same week, he coordinated 10 fashion shows at the largest outdoor shopping mall in the world. Amos has defied professional medical predictions for over a decade, and it's an honor to speak with him today on his outlook on the global pandemic. Hi, Amos. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Lauren. It's great to be here. Just to lay down some groundwork, would you be able to start us off by sharing what it's like to be alive in a time like now? I check off all the boxes of being an endangered species. I'm 10 dog years old. You figure it out. <clears throat> I've had, I'm diabetic. I am, I've had heart disease and cancer. That is certainly a daunting list. And hearing you say this really makes me want to understand how have you defied the predictions made by medical professionals? Well, don't believe everything you hear. That's the first thing. <clears throat> the other thing is that I was born a Buddhist. From birth, I was born into a Buddhist family. I've never questioned it. The first thing is that life is a struggle. And then the next thing is, you know, life is impermanent. There is no permanence at all. So you just have to get through it. It's, it's kind of like if you're standing on a trail and it's pouring rain and you can't see in front of you. <clears throat> So you're standing there and wondering like, where do I go? Because the trails are completely covered with water. And this has happened to me in Manoa Valley. And you, you lose your trail and you're wondering which way is out. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, a bolt of lightning hits and lights up the area and you see a path. And all of a sudden, you know, ah, this is the way to go. But then knowing the path doesn't mean that you've completed the journey. You still have to get out. So for me, it wasn't a question of living or dying. It was truly a gift. And I think when you live in gratitude, 
what happens is that you see the best of everything and for whatever reason, you continue. I think this is one of the things that makes you so very special, Amos. I mean, a lot of people don't know how to live in gratitude and it's very easy to worry about what we do or don't have. I mean, my, myself included. So is living in gratitude something we are all capable of? I think every child is born a blank palette. You know, it's a blank canvas and it's really about luck. It's about chance. It's about, just think about it. <clears throat> if I were born in another country at another time in another social class in another color, my life would be different. But for me, I was born in Hawaii into a Buddhist family, a loving family that, that protected me, that guided me. But one of the things that happened is that from day one, the temple gave me my name at the moment of birth. I was born September 29th at 2.34 a.m. I love numbers. 2.34 and amazingly, almost every morning I get up at about 2.30, so about 2.34, I can stand under the stars and I just simply say thank you. Wow. And that's my life, it's, it's very, very simple. <laughs> I think it's so funny that you say your life is simple because when I think of you, I see someone who's lived one of the most dynamic, complex and elaborate lives Tell me, where do you see your simple messages in life? Here it is again. May 14th is the day that I had my cancer surgery. May 14th, a year later, is when I opened Villa Bodhi. May 14th, about seven, eight years later, my mom died. So is there a message in a number? Yes. I love that, and I agree. I mean, I feel like more than ever right now, our world is being consumed in numbers and statistics from the pandemic, which makes me wonder, Amos, you're in the category of people who are most at risk against battling COVID-19. What does your relationship with fear look like right now? Fear is kind of like I'm a junkie on fear. And the reason for that is because it makes me more determined to stand silently, observe, listen, and kind of make my own decision. And my decision is really more from the gut, more from the heart, more from, it's not a logical number sequencing. It doesn't make sense. It's like seven and 19 and 21 and all of a sudden 3001. <clears throat> there is no logic to it, but I look at the numbers and I go, God, that's really pretty. I wanna go there. It's not a fear of not wanting to go there. I think it's, it's, it intrigues me I'm more curious about it, and I want to know what the journey is. And it's really about the journey that, that takes me there. So given your relationship with fear, how are you staying safe right now? And what adjustments have you made to your life? 
it's made me realize that we need a new business model. I'm a businessman as, as well. I mean, I've been at Neiman Marcus for the last 10 years, and um, it's taken me two years to develop that. For So for 12 years, I've worked with Neiman Marcus. And what that means is that there's anywhere from four to six designs going in with three to four colorways every single month. I work with Bangkok from 10 p.m. till about two in the morning to about four in the morning. That's my work day. And then I get up and then I work locally. What COVID-19 has done is made everything stop. And it's incredible. <clears throat> Because what happens when everything stops is that it makes you realize how important it is to be creative, how important it is to think out of the box to simply survive. I didn't want to go to the market, so I basically didn't go to Costco for about three weeks. And it was creative cooking, making do with what you have. And I loved it. You know, it also makes me realize with COVID-19 all the things that I loved doing that I'm not doing anymore. I loved being with people. I loved um, hugging them. I loved just simply exchanging ideas and feeling needed and wanted. And I felt like I was doing something greater than myself by just simply giving time. And that's what I can do is I can give time. And now more than every, any other time, all of us have time to give. And I think the giving is in being isolated because that's the social vaccine that will get us over this until there is a real medical cure to this. The other thing is, oh, my neighborhood dogs are, are it's my dog alarm. <clears throat> but the other thing is that, you know, I think it's, it's an important time for us to realize what we love. I love what I do for no reason except there's a need to be creative, there's a need to, to express how something tastes visually. You know, my, my designs on the shirts that I do are not perfect. They're wabi-sabi, perfect imperfection. And I love it that way because that is being human. COVID-19 is a time to be humane to each other understand what we love and love is about fear of rejection love is about is about it's for me what i've learned is that love is about mourning and mourning is like giving up something because if you truly love somebody at this point you don't hug them you don't kiss them you give yourself the distance because if you truly love something are you willing to be the one to infect? Are you willing to be the one that could impose the ultimate, which is death, to someone that you care for? It's very, very difficult time. I think it's a trying time for many people, including myself, but I find it incredibly energizing. I find it a great time to, to stand still and listen. You know, there's a Japanese thing that says you've got two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you speak. 
if you're in isolation and you're there all the time, that's one thing. But anytime one member of that family goes out, that person could be a carrier. As soon as you come in, even before getting into the house, or just right there, leave a plastic bag, change your clothes immediately, shower before you even talk to anyone. That's common courtesy because your clothes could be carrying in. Your hair could be carrying in. It's, it's time to really understand and be educated about what the implications are. You could love somebody, but could you love them to death? Yes. I think that's a hard reality to sit with. Especially here in Hawaii, where all our greetings are hugging and kissing, it's certainly weird to think of Hawaii without that. Amos, as you navigate during this difficult time, has your faith changed at all? I don't think, for me, it's changed. It's always been there for whatever reason. I was born into a Buddhist family in Hawaii. I went to a psychic once who did past lives. And every past life, I was a monk, a priest, um, someone dealing with death in, in a religious way. Um, the only thing she said that I wasn't was I wasn't a kahuna and I wasn't a, a Buddhist priest. And here I am, born in Hawaii and born into a Buddhist family. So there is another kind of belief. You know, it's, it's for me, yes, I think recently, only recently, most of my life, I have thought that this is my past life. <clears throat> when, you, when you talk about religion, I, I think of religion as my past lives, that people enter my lives because there is a relationship that needs to be finished, that needs to be, I need to learn from, and maybe it's just simply to let go of it, and that's okay. But religion to me is about, it goes deeper than this lifetime. And for me, <clears throat> in the past, it's always been, I don't think I'm going to come back. I think this is my last lifetime. So I'm going to abuse my vessel as much as I can and have so much fun with it that <clears throat> the next time I'm in spirit form, what happens is that I will have great memories and that's going to sustain me till I come back again and only recently within the last month have I decided that I think I want another go and I need to be specific about how I want to come back as a show dog that's really pretty that's award-winning <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, it's like, um, I haven't decided yet, but I really think that we all can decide how we want our lives to be, and it's as simple as changing a thought. If you live that thought, you become it. It's about as really? simple as that. Because you, wow. Because you will lead that life already. You don't need to wait. I don't think I'm rich in number by the bank standards, but I am so rich in terms of relationships, in terms of people 
part of the reason for closing the front door too is because people do stop by and, and just kind of yell in and say, how are you doing? You know, or I, I bake cookies or cakes and I just kind of leave them in the mailboxes around my neighborhood. <clears throat> it's simple things like that that makes me happy. But, you know, it's, it's the thought of giving that makes me happy, that makes my time go quickly during the day. It's the thought of appreciation, of living in gratitude. I never look at the balance in my bank. I never have. And the reason for it is I believe that I've worked hard enough that at the end of the month, there will always be enough there to cover my basics. Now I need to add to that because there is no cash flow coming in. There is no income. Things are closed. But <clears throat> here it is. It's truly a gift. I don't need all of that. I've cut down everything. You know, in, in the past, I took care of my mom for 41 years. The last six were extremely difficult because it was 24-hour care. As, as, a, as a male in a Japanese family, she didn't want me physically taking care of her. So I hired people to, to take care of her. What that meant was, I don't, to this day, I don't really subscribe to television. I don't have any frivolous things. I don't cancel newspaper, all of these things years ago. And the reason I did that is because mm, I saved $60 here. That's a box of diapers. I saved $20 here. Well, you know what? That's food for a meal for her. It's easy to sacrifice things that you don't need, and it's easy to sacrifice time when, when it's important to you. I really don't need any of those things. So COVID-19 has, has set priorities for me. I think a lot of people can relate to our current circumstances changing our priorities. I mean, there seems to be a new appreciation across the globe for things like taking a walk outside or just seeing someone's face over FaceTime. This is becoming the new normal. Do you think that things will ever go back to the way they were? I don't think normal will ever be the same. And the reason for that is the word hope. In Buddhist language, there is no word for hope. And the reason for that is because it's not about looking at the future and thinking about what it is. It's human nature to go back to the past and be that. As a Buddhist, there is no hope. There is no word for hope. And the reason for it is about what am I doing now? Today is my future. I'm sorry, Lauren, because I hate the world that, and hate is a strong word, but it's an appropriate word. The world that I'm living, I'm leaving for, for you, for the young children here, because you're a child of 9-11 and now COVID. I mean, I think of the children who are not graduating from high school in a way that is normal. Normal will never be the same again if we are conscious of not ourselves, but others. Hmm. That's difficult to sit with.
If we're living in a world without hope, how do we transition to a world of giving and gratitude going forward? Practice kindness in every form. How do you, you can teach a child math, you can teach a child language, you can teach them so many different things. One of the things you can't teach, I think, is being creative. A natural musician, a natural artist, a natural performer, a singer. There is a soul. I think if we go back to understanding the core roots of ourselves, and part of it is caring for other people. We were born and we depended on touch. We depended on nurturing, sustenance from the mother. We, we, we were born into a world that depended on others. Why is it that we grew up to think that we needed to be independent? We needed to think of a business model that is like, it's, yes, I will give back to society and I will donate when I've made this amount. It never happens because the, the line keeps moving. You, it's never enough. I think the new normal hopefully will be in business models and it's your generation that will do this. Business models that will incorporate that in this business, 10%, 15%, 20% will go back to the community, will go back to this. I will be conscious of recycling. I will be conscious of labor, appreciating all of these things. I think the new role model is really in the youth. It's, it's really about teaching them how wonderful the world is. Humans are resilient. We're going to get through this. Maybe not all of us, but we will get through this. But I'm hoping that the lesson is one of for humanity to think not for one, for yourself, but for others. And I think that's how we're going to change the world. I think that sounds like a beautiful new business model but it almost seems like it would take a miracle. Do you believe in miracles, Amos? I think miracles happen every day if we choose to see it, if we choose to hear it, if we choose to feel it. I don't think miracles need to be seen or heard. I think when they're felt is when it's happening. It's kind of like, I always believe that I was born under a lucky star. My mom always said that. But the other thing is, a very simple thing is, I believe that I will always find a parking space. It's so stupid. But I will drive, like in San Francisco, we went to this restaurant, a friend said, we will never find parking because it is the best restaurant around town. We find one right in front. <clears throat> and she goes, this never happens. And I said, but why? You know, and to, to me, those are everyday miracles because you put it out there. I never have problems finding parking. Why is that? Because I believe it's simply there. The thought of not having a parking space. And sometimes well, I may have to go around a couple times, but then I always think, well, you know what? Somebody else deserves that to go in sooner than I or go into that place because they're pressed for time. I'm not. 
<clears throat> time is an incredible thing, and I will share this with you as a parting thing. I think we can all give the gift of time. You don't have to be rich. Time with someone, just sitting with them, is truly a gift. I, you know, it's like I lived through the AIDS epidemic, and my friends in San Francisco were, were dying from pneumonia, and I couldn't understand why something as simple as that was, was dying. And I will say this, that after 25 friends passed away, I stopped counting, but I did give time. And I gave time to them spiritually because I really feel that my giving time to them, time to, to breathe easier, to, to reflect, to, to become grateful for simple things before they move on is an incredible gift. And we can do that by giving time. And for me, I've given time to many, many people. And I believe I'm still here because when they passed on, they gave that time back to me. Thank you, Amos, for your invaluable time and for sharing your abundance of knowledge and wisdom. It's truly an honor and an absolute blessing to have embarked on my very first Zoom podcast with you. Thank you, Lauren. You have an incredible life ahead of you. Thank you for listening to Ground Down. I'm Lauren Teruya, and I hope you'll join me again soon.